Everyone, remain calm. Yeah, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. And later there's running and screaming. Somebody talk to me, what is happening? Welcome to Jurassic World. You're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. You want to consult here or in my bungalow? <laughs> Hold on to your butt. Well, we're back. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 150th episode of the Jurassic Park podcast. I can't believe it. 150. That is just the wrong number, actually, because we are way above 150 with all the bonus episodes and everything. But for the main episodes, that's 150 episodes. That is crazy. As usual, I am your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. I hope all the mothers out there that are listening to this had a great Mother's Day this past weekend. We certainly appreciate all that you do. So to celebrate, uh, we bring you episode 150, I, I guess. Does that help? No, probably not. But in this episode, we are going to be skipping over the news, even though a lot of big stuff has occurred from uh, new spoilery TV spots to featurettes um, and, of course, all the stuff pouring out of the 25th anniversary uh, Jurassic Park celebration at Universal Studios. But we're going to hear a little bit more from that later on. Uh, But in this episode, we are going to be bringing you episode 22 of Extinction Level Jurassic Park. Last episode featured some really, really grim stuff. It, it It was brutal. Will this one look up? I don't know. You'll have to wait and see. As usual, after Extinction Level, I will be giving my thoughts in the after show, wrapping up some of the best moments from episode 22. Following that, Arjun will give us a quick look at some extinct scenes from Extinction Level. And to round out the show, we're going to hear from our informant, Travis Stevens, with another explosive Chaos Theories segment. He has some blockbuster information on the volcano on Isla Nublar. It's really some fire information, so don't miss it. A little bit of housekeeping before we move forward. Last week featured a bonus episode featuring Aaron Beyer and myself reviewing the Chomp and Roar mask, uh, the dinosaur trainer Owen... Dilophosaurus, Attack Pack, and uh, the Baryonyx Roarivore, all these toys from Mattel. Um, these items were sent to us with that bonus item, the Baryonyx. Um, these are all from the new toy line. It's really amazing. So we recorded the podcast, which is also in our feed, but also don't forget to find the video review over on YouTube. We had a great time breaking down those items and have a bunch more uh, bonus review episodes planned for you in the coming weeks. So make sure to keep your eyes peeled for those. Coming this week, we have yet again another bonus review episode in the works, like I just said, this time covering uh, a lot of the Matchbox stuff. So we have a bunch of the Matchbox cars, um, a big play set, uh, some of the the mini blind bag dinos, those are really cool, and uh, also the bonus item that we have ourselves, the Lego Brickheads. That's a, a really great combination of items for those looking for items that are not too expensive, but still have a good uh, playability to them, where you can use the Matchbox with the 12 mini dinos and all those things. So stay tuned for that one, that's coming later this week. 
But also we do have, yet again, another bonus episode. I just keep saying this over and over. We have more and more and more content for you. Um, We did not get to go out to uh, the celebration out at Universal Studios But we will be featuring a bit of coverage from the Universal Studios Hollywood. We had a few special guests who you'll hear from in that episode. So don't miss all the coverage that they put together. We also received a few phone calls from people attending the event. So you'll have to download it to hear exactly what they thought of the the ride itself. Seeing Fallen Kingdom footage. Uh, hearing from Colin Trevorrow, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, among so many others that uh, helped make that movie, and of course more exceptional moments from around the park. Now that bonus episode will be a ton of fun, so don't miss it. But anyway, we do have a really fun episode for you today, so why don't we get this one started off with episode 22 of Extinction Level Jurassic Park. Previously on Extinction Level Jurassic Park. Engine control, there's a retrieval team. Vic, you need to come back in. Alright, you guys all go back with that guy. I'll continue with the other car and get the others. Let's go back to the village. Captain, not all our men are in yet. They have 20 minutes. If you have the cure, be sure to bring it with you. We've been hit by a gallimimus. Birds flocking. Hey, where are they going? Oh god, arm yourselves. Raptors, out front. What do we do? What are you waiting for, Lord? Get us out of here! We're stuck. Whoa! Look out! Are they gone? I think so. We're going to have to push. Try it. Push, guys. Guys, I think you better get back in. Ah, Grant hold of me. We have to move. You drive. Hold on. We're clear. You know the way? Kind of hoping it's a straight road from here on to the village. Okay, I see the village. I know the direction we need to go. Wait, I thought I saw something. There. Oh my god. The sooner we can get in contact with that boat, the better. These raptors must not reach the mainland. Episode 22. Evacuation. In the control tower on Sorna, the commander was on the radio. The three control workers in the room were listening to his conversation with the Navy. Our radar is telling us that a ship has left the island headed north. What about our orders wasn't clear? I told them to stay, but the captain wouldn't listen. Well, we'll send a cruiser after them. They'll regret their choice soon enough. Listen, the helicopters are on their way and should arrive at your location in several minutes. We don't want to lose time on the evacuation. Have your men standing by at the landing site. Some of our men are still missing. They're headed back here. Damn it! Get them to hurry! We lost communication with them. How incompetent... Try and reach them, or else we'll consider them lost in action. You can't do that! Oh, I assure you, we can. What? The captain had turned his attention to someone on the ship. Silence for a while, then... What's this about a family on the island? The river? Yes, our men were after them, trying to retrieve them. Then for their sake, I hope your men will be with them. We have a lawyer here saying he's representing a Dr. Alan Grant who's there on the island. We need to move the fleet for their position to pick them up. 
Which river? Last we heard, they were at the aviary. So, uh, I guess that means they must be on Canal Ondo. South side. We'll pick them up. Just get your men ready for extraction. The captain broke the connection. The commander now looked worried, feeling helpless. In the distance, they heard the army helicopters approaching, seeing them coming into view over the jungle treetops. Alright, you heard it. Let's get ourselves and the others to the extraction point. You three, get Ray and Ryan ready for transport, on a stretcher if necessary. I'll shut down everything in here, and we'll get Dr. Wu and Dr. Harding after. Henry Wu was in Raymond's room, standing next to his bed, preparing a needle and tube to give Raymond a cure that had worked so well on the animals. He emptied the complete sample he had on him into a syringe. On the bed, Raymond was sweating, laying still, softly groaning at times. If this works as well as it did on the animals, you should feel better soon. Henry Wu rolled up Raymond's sleeve and pushed the needle in, pushing the complete content of the syringe into Raymond's bloodstream. The door opened and two of the control workers came inside, holding a stretcher to transport Raymond outside, ready for the helicopters. Dr. Wu, oh good, we found you. We need to move now for extraction. You and the doctor take Raymond out. I'll go help Mark getting Ryan. Sure, you can help me, right, doctor? As the first control worker leaves, the other prepares the stretcher for Raymond. What's going on? We need to move him outside. We're evacuating. Then I've got to get my data and the cure. I need to take those with me. Sure. After we get him out, you can go get your data. Doubtful, Henry Wu looked outside, through the small window. In the meantime, the control worker had the stretcher ready, wanting to move Raymond onto it. Come on, Doc. You can't leave me hanging here. Who decided to help, and together they moved Raymond from the bed onto the stretcher. On the other side of the village, the commander now entered Wu's office, looking around. The external hard drive laying on Wu's desk, next to a tube with 408B on it, ready to be taken on evacuation. Uh, hello? Dr. Wu? Dr. Harding? Seeing no one in the office, he moved to the soundproofed connection to the animal quarters. He opened the next door. Chittering, growling, and other heavy animal sounds came his way from the blue room. Hello? Uh, yes, Commander. Looking to his left, the Commander found Jerry Harding, sitting at his desk, back in his good mood, now surrounded by the animals that started to get better. Rather uncomfortable in the presence of the animals, he looked at Harding, relieved. Ah, oh, Dr. Harding. Thank God. What is it? Have you heard from Sarah? Is she alright? No. Yes. Uh, I don't... No, I need you to come with me to the extraction point. They're about to evacuate us. Has Sarah returned? No, not yet. Then they can't evacuate us yet, can they? They'll probably pick her up with that family. They're sending a team to pick them up from Canal Ondo. Please, come with me, Doctor. An uneasy feeling crept over Harding, and he thinks for a moment. To get the commander off his back, he finally answers. Alright. I'll be out momentarily. Just need a few things. You go ahead. I'll be there in a few seconds. Okay. Grateful to be able to leave the room, the commander moves for the door that leads outside. Just before exiting, he turns. Ah. Have you seen Dr. Wu by any chance? Jerry looks up. He's seeing Raymond. Oh, good. Thanks. And he leaves the room to the yard outside, where the helicopters were already coming down through the gate in the roof, only just fitting. Down below, two of the patrol workers are standing ready with Ryan, who's still looking ill but standing, strong enough to walk. In that moment, Dr. Wu comes out with the other control worker, carrying the stretcher with Raymond on it. The helicopters touch down next to Raymond's helicopter, and three soldiers jump out, while an officer stays at the entrance. The soldiers start helping the control workers to get the sick inside, including Raymond with the help of Dr. Wu. 
When Henry Wu turns to get his sample, a US Air Force soldier stops him, grabbing his arm. I'm sorry, sir. We're going. Get inside. I need to get the cure. Then Henry decides it's no use explaining. He pulls his arm free and tries to run for it, but he is tackled by the other soldier. The officer nods to a third, who then knocks out Henry Wu, and he stops throwing with the other soldier. Get him inside. The soldiers bind his hands and bring him to a chair in the helicopter, strapping him in. Commander walks towards them. Dr. Harding is coming in a moment! Suddenly they hear the honking of a car horn from outside the wall coming closer, until the Humvee with Sarah and Tim is entering the compound through the open gate. Well aren't they looking just in time? The commander is looking out at them. Where are the other cars? Sarah stopped the Humvee next to the helicopters, got out and moved to the back to help Tim with Billy. Who's that? One of your visitors. We got him out of the water at the aviary. He's hurt. Just one? Where are the others? Sarah and Tim move with Billy to the helicopter and hand Billy over to two soldiers, who take him to the second helicopter. Alright, take your seat everyone. We're moving. Sarah gets a look inside and sees Henry Wu coming too. Where's my father? In there! He said he'd be coming soon! Looking at the animal quarters, they now see six young Gallimimus running through the door. Scared and disoriented, they flee, spreading out and running past the helicopters on all sides, and one even through the middle. Then they flock back together on the other side and run for the gate. What? Dad? Then follow the two young Triceratops, coming out of the animal quarters, moving around howling. Sarah moves for the compound. The one soldier is blocked by the commander, and the other two are getting Billy inside. No one to stop her. Sarah! Get back here! Get inside! Tim looks at Henry, who moves his head up, signaling to go after Sarah. Tim moves to go after her. Commander moves in, keeping the soldier blocked as Tim moves to get Sarah. Henry shouts after him. Get the disc from my office, and the sample! I need the sample! As soon as the commander is in, the officer looks out. Well... They brought this on themselves. Close the doors. We're moving. Soldiers close the doors. Wait! You can't leave them! I assure you I can. We've been very clear on this from the moment we first contacted you. No delays. Tim looks back as the doors close and the helicopter starts to take off. What? You're just gonna leave us here? From the animal quarters now comes the Clavises, comes scattering out, finding their way to the gate and away from the village into the jungle beyond. Next follows a young Pachycephalosaurus running out, confused. Sarah jumps aside as she moves in on the building. Thank you for listening to episode 22 of Extinction Level Jurassic Park. And the new voices in this episode were those of Sick Triceratops as the officer and Nick Allen as the soldier. The other voices were those of Jay and Ted's Ted Brothers, the Navy Captain, and Jay Jurassic as Control Worker Number One. Control Worker Number Two was voiced by Timothy Glover from Azrani Global. Jurassic Outpost Jack De Lamar as the Sorna Commander. Jerry Harding, voiced by Stephen Hurl from Jurassic Unicast, and the Price Dallas Howard Network Jennifer Tarek as Sarah Harding. Thank you all, and until the next time of Extinction Level Jurassic Park. So there you have it. That was episode 22 of Extinction Level Jurassic Park. Uh, that one was titled Evacuation, and that is exactly uh, what went down in this episode. Um, you know, I had mentioned earlier in the intro that the last episode was so brutal, maybe things would look up. 
Um, in this episode, they sort of do, but also not. So I'm, I'm, I'm also worried again, but a lot of hopeful stuff in this episode. Um, kind of starts off back at the control tower, which we've heard before in this, uh, in this section of the park. Um, the Navy is talking with the commander that's in the tower and uh, letting, letting them know essentially what's going on on the Navy's end and the, the commander's end in the tower. And uh, he lets them know that basically there's still people out there missing in the jungle. We just don't know where they are and, and how to get in contact with them. And, of course, the, the Navy guy freaks out, the captain on the, on the boat, freaks out and lets them know that, look, we're going to have to leave them behind. That's it. They're going to be lost in action, and there's nothing we can do about it. We can do that. That's, that's basically what we're going to have to do. Um, but at that point, I guess the captain is, like, getting information on the side as well or something like that. So he hears, like, news of a family on the island. He's like, what? What is going on? Why is there a family on the island? And um, I guess there's a lawyer there representing Dr. Grant uh, that's with the captain or, you know, or I guess around there because I think that would be the guy that we see in this, the suit. I think he had a suit on, right, with the megaphone. Um, didn't he, wasn't he like, Dr. Grant or something like that? Um so that's probably that guy from Jurassic Park 3. Now, uh, the Navy commander um, lets them know that they're going to pick up the family and Grant due to their positioning. They're like, all right, we're going to go out to that river or wherever they are, find them, pick them up. Uh, the commander, you guys got um, to get everybody to the extraction point so we can pick you up. But from that point, we kind of jump back to the facility where we're with Henry Wu, and he's he's there with Raymond. Raymond is still suffering beyond belief here. He is he's groaning, he's sweating. How long has it been? I feel like it's been a while, but probably probably hasn't been too long, I guess. Um, but you know, uh, Wu is like, I think I got a cure here, so you know, let me try to give this to him. So he pushes the syringe into him, and and really just I guess hopes for the best, hopes uh, that it, it'll work. Um, but, um, so some of the crew finds Henry Wu after they left the control tower and they're like, look, we got to go. We got to get to that extraction point. Let's take Raymond. Um, Dr. Wu wants to get his data and the cure, but he basically ends up helping, uh, some of the workers move Raymond instead. So, um, uh, also in this, in the facility, the commander's down there. He's looking for like Dr. Wu. He's, he's looking for anybody really. He's like, hello, anybody out there? Um, but he ends up finding Jerry Harding, and, and uh, this is one of those moments that I love in Extinction Level is the sound design, though, which I constantly am talking about. Um, there's all the dinosaurs that are alive and well in this office around Jerry Harding, I guess in cages and whatnot. But um, it's so nice to hear all these, that, like the atmosphere of this room, the two guys talking. It's just really great. You have the score and everything as well. It's uh, so well put together. So at that point, the, car, uh, the commander's like, look, we got to get out of here. It's time to leave. But he's trying to, they're trying to go back and forth because Jerry doesn't want to leave. But the commander's like, look, we got to go. Um, so eventually, you know, Jerry's like, all right, uh, I'm going to trust that you guys or the Navy or whoever's going to get them out of here. So I guess I'll go. Let me just grab my samples and findings and whatnot. But uh, then we skip over back to, I guess, the extraction point. The helicopter is just touching down. Um, at this point, it gets a little dicey here because Henry didn't get his cure and everything. He was too busy helping Raymond get to the chopper. You know, uh, in, in, I just really want to do like a Arnold Schwarzenegger. Get to the chopper, Henry! But he doesn't. He actually 
He he wants to pull free. He's like, no, I got to go back and get the cure. No, none of this happens, guys. I don't know why I'm doing this. It's it's really late at night, but none of that happens that way. Henry does try to pull free, and since he isn't Arnold Schwarzenegger, he gets grabbed and knocked down and and beat up there basically to get back in the helicopter. And uh, so he doesn't get back, but uh, the Hummer does show up that has Sarah, Tim, Billy, I guess, I don't know, is he still passed out? I, f- I forget, but um, they show up, and they're you know trying to get Billy in the helicopter and Sarah and Tim, but I think Sarah uh, is like, oh, where's my dad? Where, where's he at? And, you know, turns around, sees these, like, dinosaurs starting to, to come from the building area, which is really cool. Great little uh, scene here where the Gallimimus are coming out. I think, was it Triceratops or something? So there's a bunch of dinosaurs coming out of there. And she's like, all right, I got to go find my dad. Go go help him out. Get out of there. I think, like, Henry's like, hey, get my, sa- get my samples. I didn't get them. So that was really great, right? That's a <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Oh, but um so so she gets out of there and tries to go help and and Tim's there as well, but guess what? The, the, the Navy's a bunch of jerks. They've really been uh I, you know, they're trying to be helpful and all, but they've also been like, "Look, we got our orders. We're getting out of here. We aren't waiting for you guys." I mean, things are a serious rush because everything's about to get blown up and everything, but they don't care. You know, they just don't care. Sarah and Tim and Jerry are there still on the island as this helicopter leaves. And that's where this little cliffhanger ends again. Arjun is really great at leaving us with these cliffhangers every week, it seems like. Just something new. It's like, what are we, what's going to happen next? I have no idea. So there's not too, too much left. I think there's like uh, four or five episodes, something like that left, I think. So... Um, it's going to be dicey here, I think, towards the end. We're going to figure out what happens. And, uh, uh, I mean, as far as we know, right, we haven't seen uh, Sarah, Tim, or Jerry, you know, anytime after Jurassic Park 3. So, I don't know. Maybe they didn't make it off. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. But um, that was another really great episode, full with uh, a ton of great voice acting there. Another stellar cast here for this episode. Arjun, of course, as uh, the narrator, and Tim, and you got Ted Brothers, and you have uh, the outpost, Jack Delamere, uh, Jay Jurassic, Timothy Glover from Mizrani Global, Steve Hurl. Oh, man, it was just... Uh, it was epic. Sick Trike is in there. Nick Allen, Jen. It was it was really awesome. Really great episode. Well acted, well designed. All that stuff sounded amazing. And uh, yeah, so I, I'm really, really excited to see what happens here because, like I said, we just don't have that much time left with Extinction Level. So it's going to get pretty serious from here on out, I think. And I mean... Last week was a very interesting, dark episode full of a lot of brutal deaths and everything. And this week seemed to be a little bit more hopeful. But I guess we'll find out in two weeks' time, as usual, with episode 23 of Extinction Level Jurassic Park. We're out of a job. Don't you mean extinct? Extinct Scenes, or Scenes That Didn't Make the Cut Into Extinction Level, Part 8. In the first part of Extinct Scenes, I discussed the introduction of an adult Kathy Bowman suffering from a disease and trying to work with Henry Wu and Marty Guterres to have them find her a cure, a reason to fund the Hammond Foundation, keeping the source available and allowing research to happen. 
Unable to get to talk to Guterres about something that happened which could hurt the research, she decided to get to the bottom and left for Costa Rica. In part 5, the introduction of Richard Levine was mentioned, in which he was introduced by the possibility of Indians dinosaurs carrying diseases. As a virologist, his interest was spiked, and he too left for Costa Rica to meet with Roberta Carter, the doctor who treated Ryan when he was brought in. This extinct scene built on these two events. Levine and Kathy would meet, having landed at a small airport in Costa Rica, getting on the bus to travel to the harbor. Levine had to pass by the suitcases that Kathy was traveling with. Not knowing each other, they don't talk further and Richard sit down, his thoughts drifting back to a conversation he had with Ian Malcolm after the San Diego incident. This scene would start with Richard on screen, looking outside and the voiceover of Ian Malcolm, saying, It's not a lost world, Richard. This would take the scene into a flashback of the conversation in a bar, a setting like Michael Crichton wrote in the original novel of The Lost World, and Ian would continue. The balance. It's all off. All off. There is none. No balance on that island. Nevertheless, Richard responds, half listening. It would be a marvelous thing to study the animals there. I wish I'd been there with you. Shaking his head, Malcolm says, I uh, assure you, Richard, you, you don't. Mark my words, Richard. Isla Sorna is a doomed place. Doomed. It's not nature. Not as it should be. It's un unnatural. Of course, Ian, I know. Do you? Do you know? But let me finish. I wasn't finished, Richard. Sorry, okay, continue. The animals, Malcolm continued, have no natural enemy but for for themselves. And there are far too many predators on, the, on that island. My theory? They will all be dead in a few years? Or worse? He's confused, Richard. Huh? I don't follow. What could be worse than all these amazing animals gone from this planet again? I, I don't even dare to say it, Ian responded. Afterward, changing the subject. Okay, let's go. Time for me to introduce you to Alan, Dr. Grant. I'll pay my treat. This ended the flashback, and Richard's first thought after. It appears you were right again, my friend, and in all these years I've never been part of it. Of course, this scene underlines his interest in going to Costa Rica. Having arrived at the harbor, he would again run into Kathy Bowman with her company, her personal assistant, Joffrey. Both Kathy and Levine find themselves stranded at the harbor, no further transport to the destinations. Aya and Asko for Levine, and in conversation with Joffrey while Kathy is changing into dry clothes, we find out the miss had business on a nearby island. Immediately interested, he asked which island, and when asked why he cares, he responds, oh nothing, just that there are so many interesting islands around here. The answer comes from Kathy herself, as Levine overhears her asking Joffrey if he found a boat to Isla Nublar, and Levine changes plans. Nublar is so much more interesting than something dinosaur related in Bahia Nasco. Going outside again in the rain, Levine finds a crew stalking a ship and he wants to try getting a lift. The man he wants to ask is on the phone. No, Jeff. We already waited too long if you ask me. I'm in Costa Rica now. If you wait much longer, there won't be anything left. Last time. No, Jeff. Jeff! You'll thank me later. I'm doing this. Talk to you when I get back. Bye, Jeff. When Levine reveals that the three of them are trying to get to Isla Nublar, the man turns from annoyed to friendly. It's exactly where they are going. He introduces his crew, George Basilton and Howard King, and invites them on board. This, of course, being Lewis Doxon. He would later reveal to Basilton and King that he thought these people might have had valuable information, but he made a mistake. What to do with them? King asks. They seem to have connections, and both seem to be very wealthy, loaded. They might be useful yet. Chaos, chaos, chaos. Oh, chaos theories, 
Vagans, outlier, theory, do chaos, chaos, theory, do. Ninjan will do anything to get their hands on my information. My chaos theory. Greetings, Jurassic Journeyers. I, Travis Stevens, return with another edition of Chaos Theories, the most explosive, glass-ceiling-shattering, dinosaur-door-handle-openingly-shocking segment that you could imagine, all so that we can bring InGen down, so that it might face justice for its many crimes against so many innocent victims, chief among them, the natural world. We all know that InGen's company policy seems to be playing with fire. They don't even know what they're messing around with, but they're patenting it, packaging it, slapping their name on it, and trying to sell it. They want to sell it, but guess what? Guess who ain't buying? Us. That's who. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. You're not going to like it. Despite four incredibly successful documentaries that have been released to the public about InGen's corruption, they are still active, and we are still paying for their evil deeds. Why is it that the innocents always have to suffer in the place of those who are responsible? I've recently been seeing a lot of footage for an upcoming documentary called Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which seems to really nail the right tone in capturing the horrors of InGen's work. From what I can tell, InGen is no longer just guilty of the relatively small-scale death of innocent employees and bystanders. Now. It's no longer just responsible for questionable industrial science devoid of ethics. <sighs> According to recently released Fallen Kingdom footage, InGen can now officially be declared guilty of doing nothing less than destabilizing the very earth we each live on. In bringing dinosaurs back to existence on planet Earth, InGen has unleashed another catastrophic phenomenon that we may not be able to survive. Volcanoes. If you hear nothing else that I say, get this. Because of cloned dinosaurs, we are all probably going to be killed by volcanoes. Huh, crazy, you say. Unreasonable. A little off the deep end. If only we were that lucky. I have very good reason to believe that if these previously extinct but recently cloned abominations are released into the world, we will all face unending streams of white hot magma pouring into our basements and melting our collections of 90s era toys and memorabilia. We might even get burnt. You say, now how do you make that connection, Travis? Don't you think you've gone a little too far? Look. I've heard this kind of criticism before, but think for a second. Think back to your earliest memories of dinosaurs. Just get an image in your head. You're looking at a picture book filled with lots of colorful images of prehistoric beasts. Oh, what's that in the background? Right there on the horizon, it looks kind of like a mountain. No, wait. The top of the mountain is missing and open, and it's belching forth a steady stream of smoke. It's a volcano. You're looking at a volcano. No, wait. There are two in the picture. You say, okay, so there are lots of volcanoes in pictures with dinosaurs. What's the connection? You're still skeptical. Well, remember reading the classic scientific journal entries of German professor Otto Leidenbruck that were published in 1864 under the title Journey to the Center of the Earth? 
a band of people travel to the center of the earth via an ancient Icelandic, you guessed it, a volcano. An encounter, you guessed it, dinosaurs. Surprise, everyone, except I actually mean not surprise. I mean the opposite of surprise. It's a predictable pattern. Or, okay, how about this? Remember the first documentary in the series I mentioned earlier, Jurassic Park? It was released in 1993. Four years later, in 1997, the very same year that the second documentary, The Lost World, was released, another film came out. You know what it was called? The film was called Volcano, and it starred Tommy Lee Jones. How much information does it take until you see the recipe for disaster? Each of these points makes it very clear. It can only be concluded that dinosaurs cause volcanoes. Yes, you heard me. Dinosaurs cause volcanoes. Wherever there's a volcano, you can be sure that dinosaurs were in the area. Wherever there's a dinosaur, you can be sure that a volcano will soon follow. Mount St. Helens? Dinosaurs. Mount Vesuvius? Dinosaurs. Krakatoa? Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs and volcanoes, they freaking love each other. The word dinosaur actually means terrible lizard. And realistically, what could be more terrible than getting savagely mauled by a toothy reptile only to be soon followed by merciless, fiery annihilation by rivers of hellish and destructive lava? Oh, by the way, where have they had to go to film the documentaries Jurassic Park, The Lost World Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park 3, and Jurassic World. Can you tell me what destination has been so unfortunate to see such wanton bloodshed and disregard for life and dismissal of conventional wisdom? Oh, right. An island chain called Hawaii. An island chain that happens to be packed with, you guessed it, volcanoes. In bringing dinosaurs back to the face of our planet, InGen has inadvertently put humanity in great peril. Peril that may actually end our own species. But hey, anything for a buck, right? Spare no expense, right? Actually, I am 99% sure that this is the exact issue and argument that acclaimed mathematical genius and renowned chaotician Dr. Ian Malcolm will be discussing in an upcoming hearing with our Congress. The danger of the irrefutable positive relationship between dinosaurs and volcanoes. So, call your members of Congress, visit your local InGen facilities, and make sure you thank them for the volcanoes that will soon engulf our entire planet and bathe us in all liquid hot magma. InGen reps are always closing in on my location, but to make sure you get all my critical updates, make sure that you follow me at Travis Stevens Nerdcrafts on Instagram. It may save your life. In fact, I'll guarantee it. This has been Travis Stevens for Chaos Theories. Please stop the volcanoes! Make sure to visit JurassicParkPodcast.com to find all our past episodes, brand new news articles, information on how to contact us, and much more. It's a great source for everything related to the podcast, and of course, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Head to JurassicParkPodcast.com and help us build a great community. Anybody hear that?
Thanks for listening to the 150th episode of the Jurassic Park podcast. Of course, a big thanks to Arjun for episode 22 of Extinction Level. I had a good time with that one because it wasn't so dark, you know, man? You get dark sometimes, and uh, it's going to get interesting here, and I cannot wait to see what happens in the following episodes here on Extinction Level Jurassic Park. Let's also not forget to thank Travis Stevens for risking it all to bring us that molten information from Isla Nublar. That dude is is killing it with the information and all the details and certainly risking it all for you to hear. Thanks, Travis. If you want to interact with us, we do most of our work over on Twitter. At Jurassic Park Pod. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Jurassic Park Podcast. And our Instagram handle is at Jurassic Park Podcast. You can listen to us via iTunes, Google Play, Podomatic, YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So make sure to subscribe to automatically get new episodes every week. If you haven't already, please give us a five-star review in iTunes or a great review wherever you listen to the podcast. It will seriously help out our rankings and make it easier for fans like you to find us. Don't forget to check out JurassicParkPodcast.com for all the links you heard here today. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us with any news stories, MP3s, comments, or if you want to debut a segment of your own, send them to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. Or you can submit questions directly on our website contact form. If you'd like to record something for the show, send it in to us and we'll feature it in an upcoming episode. If you don't have any way to record, you can give our voicemail line a call and leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening and enjoy. No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.